All right, everybody, welcome back. It's been a while, you know, been a couple weeks, a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're, we're back today. We're going to talk about the transfer window around the world of the soccer ball. Are we, uh, today I have a, uh, a Nick McGrath. Hello. <laughs> Seth? I knocked with an introduction. I just said <laughs> I just said we have Brock, you'd be like, no. <laughs> I'm also here. <laughs> all right. So we'll just get right into it, all right? We start in England, the Premier League, or like any of the leagues for that fact. I don't think I don't think we're going to be talking about championship or anything like that, but any league is up there. So I'm going to go to Seth first. Who do you think had the best transfer window? I think the easy answer would be to go with Chelsea. Um, they've signed two of the most wanted young players in Europe and got them both for fees under a hundred million, which I know there was a lot of talk about Havertz being this, you know, 120 million euro valued player or whatever. Um, but I think Chelsea managed to get some fees out of Leipzig and out of, uh, Leverkusen that were actually kind of favorable to them since they had had the uh, transfer embargo during one of the previous windows, it, I guess, allowed them to be a little bit more adventurous in not only the quality of player they signed, but the amount of players they signed. Because really the only signings they had made before that were Christian Pulisic signing Mateo Kovacic on a permanent and um, getting quite a few people back from loan, but also sending a lot of people on loan. So they had, I guess, balanced the books pretty well in addition to that, you have the uh, Edwin uh, Hazard sale to um, Real Madrid that also brought in a lot of money. So I think the easy answer is Chelsea. They managed to bring in someone who I think was probably one of the players of last season in Thiago Silva. I mean, he was just like heroic at many points for PSG despite his age. And I think kind of left on a strange note. I thought he would have finished his career there because PSG are known for paying players so much. I thought he would have just ended his time there, but I guess they just couldn't come to an agreement. And I think Chelsea is a good landing spot for him because we've seen not only how bad Kepa is, but how bad that defense has been at letting easy opportunities in on Kepa's net, which then makes his bad performances in certain games look even worse. So I think having a true leader back there, someone who's incredibly dominant in the air will be helpful and adding to the experience of Aspilicueta, and I guess you could even say Marcus Alonso is something that is definitely valuable to that team. So I would probably go with Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to, to agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, I think the, the benefit of just having Thiago Silva in is that you kind of have like a, a proven leader in that back line. Um, I mean, he totally he looked like a, a joke against West Brom um, a couple weeks ago, but I mean, like, as, as he beds in, and as a lot of these signings bed in, Chelsea really look are going to look fantastic. Um, the fact that they got Timo Werner uh, from, you know, from everybody who was interested in him, and perfect striker. Um, as much as I love Tammy Abraham, I don't think he's as – he's nowhere near as good as Timo Werner. Um, that's just a fact. <laughs> um, so, I mean, their attack looks spectacular. And once – I mean, they've had some teething issues – as we've seen, Frank Lampard has, you know, chopped and changed the formation. Um, but once they get, you know, Ziyech, 
uh, Hoberts, Werner, and Pulisic all playing together. I think that's going to be something really special. Um, I mean, I don't know how how he's going to do that because I don't think I don't think for for some reason between England and Chelsea, Mason Mount is undroppable. Um, but again, like this, it's it's a it's a really great looking uh, window. Again, I think they should have probably addressed their defensive issues a little bit more. Um, Edouard Mundy is a decent keeper. There's not much we can say about him. Not much anyone can say about him, aside from the fact that he is massive. Um, but He's a, I mean, it's, it's better than Kepa. Um, anything was better than Kepa last season. And, I mean, you look at uh, Chilwell. Chilwell could probably be one of the better left backs in the league. The issue is that he's very attacking, and you probably wanted someone who was a little bit more defensive um, because that was probably their, the big issue from that position was the defensive frailty. Again, like, it's just an issue with the defense. But I think the midfield looks sorted. I think probably in a couple of windows, either next summer or in January, they're going to try again for Declan Rice. So I don't know. Chelsea look promising. But one of my, I think probably the best window for me in the Premier League in terms of what they needed to do was, unfortunately for my taste, was at Aston Villa. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to get, I'm gonna get I get so much egg on my face now for, you know, pooping on Aston Villa because, they, I mean, it was the last episode. Um, what did we spend? Ten minutes <laughs> just ripping on. And they turn around and have one of the best uh, problem-solving windows of the summer. I mean, they got Ollie Watkins in, Bertrand Traore. So there's depth and there's actually a lot more uh, pace and creativity in that attack. Ollie Watkins is going to solve a lot of problems. We already saw it with the goals against Liverpool. I mean, I don't think that Liverpool result is indicative of what they're going to be this season um, as a freak result. but it showed that they are going to be a lot better than last season defensively. They look so much better. Um, they brought in Matty Cash on the right. Um, and Consa and Ming since post-lockdown, they've actually looked a lot better. Um, and Ross Barkley in the middle of the park. So I think they've just kind of addressed all the little issues and they filled out the squad really nicely. So I don't think Aston are actually in uh, the relegation, you know, dogfight that uh, we would have thought. Um, so, I mean, I, I would love to give them the credit they deserve much as it pains me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I would definitely go along with that. I mean, I think Maddie cash was just waiting to get picked up by a team. There were quite a few sides that I think could have used a very um, dynamic and sort of in the mold of a modern fullback in the Premier League. And I think Aston Villa were the team that, I would imagine needed a right back the most. I mean, we've seen uh, we've seen Brighton have one of the most exciting right backs, and he came out of nowhere Lampsy. after the restart. <laughs> and you know, Tyreek Lamsey has has set the league alight. And I, I would have put Brighton as one of the teams that needed a Matty Cash, but now they don't. So I think at, going to Aston Villa was a great move. And then also Southampton uh, picking up uh, Kyle Walker Peters, I think was. A, a decent move for them, but I think Matty Cash probably would have would have been a little bit better. It's a little bit more on par with Ryan Bertrand's level of deliveries. Yeah. I don't know if Kyle Walker-Peters is there yet, but I think he's a decent defender and he can get forward and actually is quite good at stepping into midfield, which I think is something that's going to be important for uh, Southampton. So, yeah, I mean, I would say Aston Villa 
picking up uh, Ollie Watkins was was massive. I mean, if if Aston Villa were going to go with one of the exciting forwards from the championship season last year, I'm glad they went with Ollie Watkins because to me, he was the most ready-made for the Premier League, especially the Aston Villa side who had a lot of trouble getting goals and had a lot of trouble keeping their strikers fit. So Definitely. it's good that they're getting quality in the starting 11 and then their backups are decent enough to uh, back up Ollie Watkins. But I mean, he's been he's been a star so far. Along with the biggest win of keeping Grealish. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the, the chance creation is going to be, I mean, it's going to be insane. And keeping Douglas Louise around was, was, was big as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. All right, so my pick, it was between Everton and Tottenham. Mm. So between those two, I'm going to pick Tottenham. <laughs> Of course you are. This doesn't seem like a surprise to you guys. Right? Little, little, little Mourinho love coming from Robbie. Mourinho love is about to come in right, hot, right in right now. All right. So they built off what they started last year. Last year was a failure. We can all agree. We can all agree on Tottenham standards it was a failure. Like every year is, right? But, like, still, they don't get trophies. That's a trophy itself. But they have a guy who gets trophies. It doesn't matter how he gets them, right? He gets them somehow. So. They tried building a team for him, and they bought, or they brought in Gareth Bale, which is a big one, but it's also a risky one. So, like this one will, this one will tell us with time because Gareth Bale, of course, is finally free. Like, I mean, he probably signed this contract with like the freaking sign that says "I'm free, I'm free." Like, he must be so happy that he's out of that the shithole that's Real Madrid. <laughs> And um, Matt Daughtry from Wolves was an interesting signing, I think. They have, I have fought Bob has him as a right mid. But I, I think Wolves played him at a fullback sometimes, right? Right. So they have Matt Daughtry. That could help the fullback situation that they have there. Sergio Regulon. I, I, I don't know how to say his last name. Is it Regulon? Yeah, Regulon. Yeah, he's coming in. He's, I think he's, he's coming back, right? No. So, no, no. Well, he came back, he came back from, uh, from Madrid. No, no, no. Came from Madrid's uh, youth academy. Right, all right. Carlos Vinicius from my boys, Befica. This guy can back up Joe Hart. I was about to say Joe Hart. <laughs> this guy can back up Harry Kane. And he can also fight for that spot. I mean, Vinicius last year, the first half, Vinicius with Befica was so amazing. And towards the end of last year, too, he was also very good. And today, we got the, uh, the big signing, Joe Rodon. Seth and I were talking before this. We have no idea who this kid is, but they signed him for $13 million, So let's see what he can do. Um, um, I love him. Importantly, they got Joe Hart on a free transfer. That's, that's the winner right there. Perfect backup. No, I, <laughs> I, think, I, I think they've got a fantastic uh, window, actually. I, like, I hadn't heard that. Roden had signed, and, but he's actually a really, really solid defender, um, or has been for Swansea. Um, I think probably Swansea fans will be pretty uh, mad that they've lost him because he's uh, he's been pretty reliable for him. I don't think he's going to come in and, and rip up trees, but um, I'm a pretty decent uh, ball-playing uh, defender. Um, so that's actually a really good move for them. Um, Doherty and, and Reggie Lon solved that fullback problem perfectly. Um, that's one of the best fullback pairings uh, in the league um, by quite some distance. I mean, you've got 
like they're they're now probably about three or four like perfect fullback pairings in the league and that's that's definitely one of them um for me i think craig is going to rip up trees uh like absolutely tear down that left side um and they have a big squad now they have a big squad like look at that midfield like hoy bear coming in sanity like and don belay dele if they can bring him back into the fold los celso sissoko winks there are so many players yeah, all over there for Tottenham, which is good because they have so many games. Yeah, they're going to need that uh, that depth. Mourinho's already complained about it. No surprise there, but yeah, but I mean, he's he's got he's got as big a squad as any in the league. Yeah, he, um, like, there's no excuse now. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and he's got. I mean, think of the attack now. I mean, like everyone's talking about, well, we need backup to Kane. We need backup to Kane. Um, like you said, Vinicius will definitely provide that. Um, I think they've just they've gone out and they've done very very well. I think back to Roden. I mean, still really good, uh, really good play. And I think they've probably gone out and solved most of the, the issues within that squad. So, you know, I will give credit uh, to Mourinho and Daniel Levy for opening up the checkbook for once. <laughs> All right, honorable mentions before we get to the worst. I think Everton definitely deserve an honorable mention. I think if you just as if you just say James Rodriguez, that's all you need to really know. That that's a win right there. It's insanity. And you look at how they start in the season; it's very good. But other than that, they picked up Alan Decore yep. uh, from Watford, then Robin Olsen for like, backup keeper, Ben Goffrey from Norwich for thirty mil, and yeah, I can't say this dude from Marseille in Incon- Kanuku. I can't say that, but. They they got exactly what they needed. And so far it's paying off. I mean, the only time will tell if they, if it finally does everything, but you guys got anything else for wins? In theory, I would say that Sheffield United signed a lot of players that would have excited the average, uh, the average fan of the Premier League. But whether those players such as Max Lowe, Ethan Ampadu, um, Rianne Brewster, assuming that those players get playtime, I think those are good signings, but they've started the season really poorly. And one in goal. theory, that window looked very good. One goal. Um, in theory, those signings have looked good. Ollie Burke, I think, needs a career revitalization. Um, but... Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how they're going to bet into the side because we saw that with Chris Wilder's team last year, they basically played the same 11 players the entire season until Sander Berger came. And then once Sander Berger was in, they played him in the midfield for the and rest the of the season. season. <laughs> and then the same other nine or 10 players. So um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how that's going to work. I'm, I think I'm under the impression that they still have Lise Mousset. Yep. Um, and he was actually really good. But like, he hasn't really played this season yet, I don't think. No. But, yeah, I would say they had a they had a good, like, FIFA career mode transfer window. Whether it works in application, who knows. I would also give a quick shout-out to Newcastle. Mm. I think Newcastle signed a Premier League veteran and someone who is consistently going to give you a 7 or 8 out of 10 in Jeff Hendrick. They 
signed Cal Wilson, who is basically in, I think, probably three out of his four seasons in the Premier League, has given at least 11 or 12 goals, which they needed after last season's performances from Jolington. Um, they got Andy Cole on a permanent, who I think could get them a couple goals off the bench. He's always going to be helpful late in games. And then they picked up Ryan Frazier, who I think is one of the most exciting wingers in the past couple seasons of the Premier League. And while he hasn't been great so far for them, I think he'll eventually get more minutes. Maybe we'll see Jeff Hendrick drop into a more central role instead of out wide on the right. And then we'll see Frazier and Alan St. Maximin as the wingers. And I think that would be a good, uh, good idea for them. But then also they signed um, Jamal Lewis, who I think was pretty decent for a team that got relegated last year and definitely looks like someone who has a higher ceiling than we might initially have seen from, from just his performances last year. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see what Newcastle do. I think they still need better quality center backs, but other than that, I think they're uh, moving in the right direction. Quick shout out to the uh, Brewster to Sheffield uh, deal that you mentioned. Um, that's actually probably, uh, and I, I mean this, like I'm dead serious about this. That was probably the best deal that a selling club made this entire summer. Because if you look at the components of that deal, um, they, there's a buyback in there for Liverpool. So that's safe, but there's also a sell on clause. So it's like 15%. Um, and they got, it was like, it was a pretty decent fee in the in like initial fee. So like, that's going to go towards funding so much, no matter what happens, whether Brewster's a success or a failure, Liverpool won out. <laughs> Cause they could, they could bring him back if they, if they choose to, they could, um, cause they'll have first option. Um, they, if he gets sold on, um, they'll still make from, make money from that. So I, I don't know. I think that that I just, Quietly, Liverpool did some really sneaky, really good stuff in the in the selling market. And one last That's thing on Sheffield. So the beginning of their season's been very poor, but they're lucky that two other teams also haven't won a game. And that and that in sixteenth place they have a Manchester United team they could easily catch. All right, moving on here. <laughs> that didn't that didn't excite Nick at all right there. <sighs> <laughs> let's go to the worst transfer windows nick i'll let you take it away um i think i mean it has to be united and you know the board will walk away and basically you know beat everybody over the stick with the we got in five players you know we we got fun the bake we got cavani Telus, uh police three and um uh what's his name uh from Atlanta. yeah um and like that, that 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 for that for the board is is what they would probably say is a good window but i mean you like when you look at how they started the season and when you look at how they ended the season i remember in one of the, the previous pods saying you know this this summer was going to define like the top 4 for the next few years um in terms of how you know they the teams would approach it, you know, how the teams were built for, for the long haul. And I think United massively dropped the ball. If you look into the specifics of this Jaden Sancho thing, absolute embarrassment for the club. They treated Dortmund terribly. They uh, basically went through intermediaries and said Dortmund wanted us to go through intermediaries. And Dortmund came out and said no. So there are so many competing stories from both sides on, on 
what exactly happened with that deal. And the fact of the matter is, United were just too shy to stump up the money. Um, and it came back and bit them. Because, I mean, next season, when teams are a little more settled and uh, the finances aren't as, as shaky because of the pandemic, there are going to be some much better sides going in for Jaden Sancho. You think the likes of, of Real Madrid and Barcelona, they'll be looking. Um, so I think United, really, this was their chance to, you know, secure their front line for the next 10 years. And they really dropped the ball. Um, Cavani, I think, will be okay. But I don't think he's going to really bet into the side well. I think there's too much of a mess there. Um, but frankly, they needed United needed a left back. They needed a central midfielder. They needed a center back. And most importantly, a right midfielder. And they got basically one of those. Um, Fondebeck is an attacking midfielder for me. Um, so I don't see him solving the defensive issues um, in the middle of the park. Um, Telus will be probably one of the better left backs in the league. But again, they really should have gone and got Reggie Lohan. Um, just a real failure from the board overall. <laughs> hey, Cavani can always play, or can always play center back. Don't worry. I would, I would say as well, Nick, that in addition to signing a left back and an attacking midfielder, instead of going for what seemed to be more of the problem with a center back and a center midfielder, they also brought in Van de Beek for, I think it was between 35 and 40 million. Yep. He's 23. He has Champions League experience, but he is not a center midfielder. I mean, his best position is basically playing as close to the forwards as possible. He makes late runs into the box. He's a very creative player, but we already have very creative players in the midfield. Yep. We have Paul Pogba, who wants to play further forward, and we have Bruno, who plays further forward, and it makes no sense to play him any deeper. Whereas Pogba has some application as a deeper midfielder. We've seen him flourish in that role for France playing next to like a true defensive midfielder. The problem is other than Matic, they don't really have a true defensive midfielder because Scott McTominay is not that and neither is Fred. What I think is the most ridiculous part of this is that we're in need of a right midfielder, right? We loan Taith Chong to Werder Bremen, which is good because it will get him minutes. However, he's the only right midfielder in the club. Greenwood is not a right midfielder. He didn't play there at all in any of the youth teams, any of the games I've watched him. In the U18s and the U23s, he never he's a striker. <laughs> he's a striker, and when he's not a striker, he plays behind the striker. What is even more ridiculous adding on to this is that because of the fee they, played for, they paid for Van de Beek, they wouldn't be in contention to pay the fee that Arsenal paid for Partey. And Partey is an actual center midfielder, is not someone who wants to play as far forward as Bruno Pogba and Van de Beek. And we were not willing to offer Angel Gomez enough of a contract to get him to stay, which would have already given us depth at the attacking midfield position. So now we have another attacking midfielder who's in his mid-20s, which is pretty much the same as like Pogba and Bruno, someone who's creative and wants to play further forward. We didn't sign a defensive midfielder. We lost our best attacking midfield prospect who was about to come into the first team. We never gave him the minutes he wanted. We loaned out Taith Chong. And now we have a left back and a lone striker and an 18-year-old Uruguayan winger who nobody has any idea about and another 18-year-old winger who has played, I believe, 30 <laughs> minutes of senior football and won't even be coming until January. 
this is the most similar window that I've seen to the 14, 15 summer window. And it gives me like, it gives me like nightmares because in that window, United signed Ander Herrera, Daily Blind, Rodamel Falcao on loan. So there's your South American striker on loan. Your, your left back who's never played in the top five league, really. I mean, I think Tellez played maybe like 10 or 15 games for Inter. Yeah, this not is, much. This is not looking good. This is basically the Van Gaal window. And we all know what happened to Van Gaal because the, the board signed players that he didn't want. The players that he did want and that we did sign, he played every single game. They got injured. And then the players that he didn't want to play had to play anyway. So we will truly see what happens this season with Ole, but it is well and truly apparent now that Ole has not been back because he came out, uh, one of the journalists um, close to United came out and said that all of the players on Ole's shortlist were none of the players that got signed. Tellez wasn't even on the list. So um, yeah, that's indicative of what's going on at Manchester United. And I think that closes the case a little bit on which team in the Premier League had the worst window. Yep. <laughs> For sake of difference, right? I'm going to go to the other side of Manchester and say that they had the worst transfer window. So it's worth a shout. The big question mark coming into this season, right, was were they, were going to, were they going to be able to stand toe-to-toe with Liverpool? And the one thing that they really needed was a center back, right? So before the season started, they picked up Nathan, uh, Nathan, Nathan Ake from Bournemouth for 50 mil. He hasn't seen anything. He wasn't, I don't think he was intended to play at all in the starting lineup. So then they really noticed that they needed somebody. So they picked up my captain, Ruben Diaz. They stole him away from me last second. Stole him away. They stole him away from me. For seventy-five million, I think this is in dollars. I should make sure I put that down. It's, this is all in dollars. Still an overpayment. <laughs> Probably, but they picked up a twenty-three-year-old Huben Diaz who's never played again. He's never played top-notch soccer or you know, his top-notch league. He's played for Portugal plenty of times, but other than that, he's and he's also played well for Portugal, may I add. But other than that, he hasn't really had anything, and he's only twenty-three years old. And they paid seventy-five million for him. His first game with Man U, or Man U, Man City was actually pretty decent. He didn't do horrible. But, um, but why did they was, wait so long to pull the trigger? It, it, this seemed like a panic signing to me, if you ask me. Honestly, I'd actually, I, I, I agree with you on that. Because, um, I mean, you look at the incomings. And the thing about, you know, bringing defenders into a Pep Guardiola system is that they take forever to bet in. Like, they really do. Because it's a complex system. Um, so really, are we expecting these two guys to, to turn the whole thing around? That's a big ask. So I think automatically we're going to be looking at both of those two as, as, as disappointments and Ferran Torres coming in, he is not a replacement for both David Silva and Leroy Sané. Um, just isn't, um, he's a very talented player. He really is not either of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Like you, you agree with me, like, because, like, I mean, like, like, Sané was, like, a, like, 20 goal contribution type player. David Silva, like, at least 10. Ferran last Torres season was, he, last season, as a 33-year-old 
skinny little man, David Silva was a 20 goal contribution guy, which is crazy to say. And, and they signed and one player to replace both of those people. Who had, what, four goals and four assists in La Liga last season? That's not enough. Um, in a terrible Valencia side. But yes. There, but it's just... It's just if, you, if you look at the mold of player that Sané is, he is yeah. a flying wing forward, and David Silva is a patient center of the park, occasionally played off the left when in his earlier City career, but is a patient middle-of-the-park player who controls the tempo, wants the ball, and is a great set-piece taker. Fran Torres is a right midfielder. He's neither of those things that I just said. He yep. is a, like a traditional 90s 4-4-2 right midfielder. And he's a very talented player, but he is neither of the things that I just said. So, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> all right. So how, do you have any dishonorable mentions for the worst transfer window in England? Other than, yeah, like, the bottom teams, really, when you think about it, like – West Brom didn't really do nothing special. Yeah, the likes of Fulham and West Brom, the relegation fodder, really. Yeah, Fulham, I'm going to go right back down. You know, whoever, who saw that coming, right? <laughs> but all right, let's move on. We got Spain next. We got La Liga. So I'll go to uh, I'll go to, to Seth first for your best transfer window in La Liga. I... <laughs> I would this was actually a hard one. <laughs> I would this is gonna sound a little bit weird because they didn't really sign anyone, but I would reluctantly say Real Madrid had the best window. Villarreal had have signed some truly stellar players, and I will put that out. <laughs> Come <there>. on, man. <laughs> but Real Madrid, I just want to say Real Madrid got some serious talent back into the fold. And also made some deals that I think were actually pretty efficient. So I'll just say this rather briefly. Real Madrid, going into this window, had just won the title, while Barcelona were pretty disappointing. And both of those teams had signed big-name players in the last two summer windows that were expected to, to come and do a lot. Eden Hazard was incredibly disappointing. Marco Asensio was injured for most of the season. And they still won the title. So now, coming back into the season, you're getting back Marco Asensio, who I think is an, is an excellent player. On his day, is, is a very good central attacking midfielder and can also play off the left. Then, you're getting Martin Odegaard back from Real Sociedad with his loan expiring, who I think is probably the, the preeminent attacking midfield talent outside of, Co- of Kai Havertz in Europe. And I think he's an incredible player. He moves the ball very well for someone so young. And he's been with Real Madrid for years now. He knows the culture. He knows the expectations. And I think he's going to do well in Spain. He proved that in a very progressive Real Sociedad side, he was able to be the main man despite being so young. Yes, they lost Regalon. Yes, they lost Akraf Hakimi. But they sold those players for good fees in today's, in today's COVID pandemic world. They sold those players for, for very good fees. Akraf Hakimi went for a lot of money to Inter Milan. And Regalon wasn't a ton of money, but before last season, Regalon was basically a, a no, no recognition name, except for maybe like diehard XG people like Nick and I. He, he was sort of <laughs> under the radar 
and hadn't really come in very strongly into the Spain squad, despite this sort of obvious decline of, of, of Jordi Alba over the last like year and a half or so. Like, I think Real Madrid have brought players in that nobody thought were going to amount to anything and it have basically turned them into players who are competing at the top level of La, La Liga and probably going to do fairly well in the Champions League without basically signing any high-profile names aside from Eden Hazard. I think Eder Militeo has, has a pretty high ceiling. I think Ferlen Mendy is probably the highest ceiling bar maybe Alfonso Davies of left backs that I can think of off the top of my head that have yeah, transferred to me. Um, and Alfonso Davies wasn't a left back before last season. So you can't even like, I mean, Alfonso Davies is just like this phenom basically. Um, but Ferlin Mendy, I think is an excellent player. Seems to be filling the shoes of Marcelo. You still have Marcelo as a backup. It's not like he left, you know, you have Fede Valverde. What is the world coming to when that's the, that's the issue? You have this, <laughs> this dynamic midfielder. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they will. But you, st- you still have Fede Valverde, this very dynamic midfielder. But then you still have Luka Modric. You still have Tony Cruz. You have, you have Isco still plays for Real Madrid. I don't know if people realize that, but Isco still <laughs> plays for that team. Rodrigo is still there. Vinicius is still there. Benzema had a great season last year. They lost Bale, yes, but Bale needed to go for that team to grow. There needed to be minutes available to younger players in the attack and specifically their wing forwards. They have wing forwards. They sent Brahim Diaz out, out on loan. They signed him, and he hasn't made basically any minutes. Hasn't kicked come. the ball for sent them. Him out on loan. <laughs> you know, sent, sent him out on loan. Maybe he'll do very well for Milan. He's been stellar in the few games I've seen him for Milan so far. I think they had an incredibly savvy window. They didn't spend basically any money, and they sold players for quite a, quite a few dollars. So uh, that's why I'll right say Real Madrid. I'm looking at it right now. They didn't bring in anything, like nothing. Yeah, the, the, like like Seth said, the incomings were from loans. Like the like from the loan army was coming back. Um, what I will say is that like I think the reason I'm I'm hesitant to 100% agree with Seth is because. I think they've made they like some of these players that they've sold are so good that they might like it might end up being like a poor decision in the long run. Like Hakimi, um, like Carvajal age, and the next in line would be Aldria Fola, and he's not Hakimi. Um, so there's some there there's something to be said for that. Like, is it will the sales come back and bite them? Um, they probably won't because they have so much depth, but. It's definitely it's just something I, I, I would keep in mind um, just just for the moment. But I think what the really what the window is is that it's setting up for next summer because I think I think it's going to be Project Mbappe next summer. Um, and that's what it seems like it's going they're They're going to go all out for one of the, the lights out talents uh, next summer because they've been really careful about how they've kept the, kept the books like. Obviously, the Hazard thing has turned out to be not the best transfer thus far, shall we say. Uh, probably one of the worst uh, signings of the season last year. I mean, we on it was a fantastic signing. It's just like, it was just a failure. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I mean, I think the, the probably the biggest baller move was Ed Nazar getting his dream move after all this time and working with Zidane and literally turning up overweight. Um, I mean, 
props to him. Yeah, but I mean, I think like they the the setup now, like they've sold, they've sold, they've sold, they've cleared their books, they've cleared the wages. I think that's probably like it, like the incoming fees were te- weren't like absolutely massive. Like the likes of Hamas, like. I mean, they basically let them go on a free. But the thing is, the wage the wages are massive. So that kind of transition is is huge. Um, apologies, there's a lot of background noise. Um, but yeah, I would say like for what they have done, they've definitely made the right decisions. They they shifted, I believe, somewhere around a million a million euros a week. This window. Yeah. Which go. is unbelievable. <laughs> First of all, to have the ability to have that in, in, in your locker and then to get rid of that, that's impressive because somebody has to Definitely. take up those wages. Mm-hmm. Um, and pr- most of those players have gone on to be, like, have gone on to be big earners on, on, on the other teams. Um, like Bale is, ma- is going to be a massive earner. Um, he basically turned Spurs' wage structure upside down. Yeah. And it's as did Mourinho. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the, yeah. The first, the first, the first domino there was 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 the Mourinho deal, which is huge. It's absolutely massive. Um, and James is now one of the top earners at Everton. Um, so I think you know, like shifting the wage bill is huge uh, for a lot of clubs. And I think that was probably one of the, it's one of the biggest killers of clubs during this pandemic period. Um, so being able to offload them uh, is just a really good uh, move overall. Um, but for me, I think I have to say my winner is still Villarreal. I mean, come on. <laughs> and Estupinian, Coquelin, Kubo on loan, Danny Parejo, um, Juan Foyt. I mean, like, there are just, there's just so much talent now. I just, I mean, the one problem is they're managed by Unai Emery. Um, and um, that's just that's 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 fourth place gone. That's not gonna happen. Um, but I mean, they've closed the gap so well. I mean, between Villarreal and Sevilla, like it's I don't know that it, it's just it's it's more exciting now. Um, I just really like the talent that they have. Um, and I mean, hopefully with Cuba coming in, it's not gonna stunt my favorite you know player on that side, Chuck Weezy. Hopefully, it's not gonna stunt his growth. Um, but we'll see. Um, so, I mean, they're my winner, uh, in La Liga at least. So there really isn't no clear cut winner in La Liga with this transfer window. And you guys pretty much just took the two, like, right, like good ones right away. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys right now. Cadiz, they had themselves a decent <laughs> transfer window right here. You look at, you look at what they brought and they brought in everything. They brought in everything. They had a really good July. <laughs> big, big shout. <laughs> <laughs> they did really good here. I just want to read these guys off, right? So, Alvarado, Alvaro Negredo from Al Nassar SC. What a player he is. He's going to be a good striker for him. I don't know who that is. Uh, Ivan Alejo Peralta from Getafe. You got some, you got some experience, right, from your, uh, in your team right there, from La Liga Town right there, right? You got Nanu from Ibar, Anthony Lozano from Girona, Jorge Pompo from Real Zaragoza. Don't know, I still got more for you guys, don't you worry. Philippe Malbasic, 
from Tenerife, Gaspar Penderero from Alwada, Alvaro Jimenez from Birmingham, Birmingham, sorry, David Meyerall from America, a free agent Jens Johnson, Jermais Ledzma, Jario from Giroa, Alcala from Girona, and Bobby Adekanye. Ah, I can't even say that. Bobby Atankanye. Adekanye. There you go. There you go. What a window. What a window. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, let's talk about the worst. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Alberto was the only name from that whole list Lozano, I knew. No, Lozano, Lozano and Negredo will be, will be okay. Negredo will, mm. is too old to be useful. <laughs> he's like 34 at this point. Like, I don't think it's a good sign. But Lozano is a good signing. Joko Lozano from Girona yeah. actually uh, is, is, is actually a decent player. Um, and he'll get goals. And he will create. Because like, you look at the <laughs> rest of the league, <laughs> and they are going down. <laughs> Nobody did anything in this league. It's insane. Nobody. Nobody. nobody they, they got they got smashed by the pandemic financially. Yeah. Like I don't like Barcelona, but like who? Why no. who would who would say Barcelona <laughs> after that trip? Absolutely, absolutely had, no one. They had the of their life. Nah, they, they, they almost they, they almost broke. Really bad. <laughs> All right, worst. What do we got? I think we all can agree on one. Three, two, one. Sevilla. Valencia. No, that's Sevilla. What are you talking about? Sevilla. Sevilla. Agree with you. <laughs> you get out of Valencia. here with your nonsense. They brought in great players. Valencia. It's terrible. Horrible. George Mendes FC. Oh my we don't god. Know FC. I think we should talk about this one. They brought in a total of one player, and that was in January. Yeah, um, I think they just uh, – so here's how this works. Peter Lim wanted money. Peter Lim wants to get rid of the club. Peter Lim has screwed the club since he bought it. Um, and so he decided that this window, with all he, – he, he picked out everybody who disagreed with him at some point and got rid of them So um, and tried to get rid of who he thought would get them the most money. There was one player who he refused to get rid of, um, at the start of the window, and that was Jose Gaia. And he, everybody else was for sale. So I'm surprised that more teams didn't try and poach a few more, more of their players because it really was the definition of a fire sale at Valencia. And frankly, I don't know why, because Valencia are terrible, um, or have been. Um, Marcelino was the only reason they were uh, hanging in there, uh, plus some really talented players. Um, and basically... They offloaded all of the all of the, the the really talented players and didn't fix any of their problems, um, which are bad coaching. Um, they are churning out managers um, like nobody else, um, and they are just a mess uh, up top. So, outgoings: you got Parejo, you got Torres, you've got uh, Rodrigo, and I mean, I'm not as you know bullish on Rodrigo's other people. Um, but to lose your top young talent um, for almost nothing, because they were asking um, for like 70 million for him um, six to eight months ago. Um, and then to sell him for around, what was it, 40? Um, between 40 and 15, yeah, that's terrible. Um, Parajo going on basically a free. Um, is a joke um and 
Parejo like is one of the was one of the most reliable all around midfielders in La Liga for the last five years. Like simple, like he would all, Mr. Consistent, always putting you know eight out of ten to you know plus performances. Like I mean, like genuinely, like a, a great progressor, great creator, and would do some you know decent defensive work. And they just let him go to what is a direct rival for the top four um, or the top five. So, um, yeah, it's an embarrassment. Um, I think the, cl- the club is a mess. And, and the thing is, Peter Lim is really not going to – he's not going to get much for the club. Like, he's not really going to sell it. No one's going to try and buy a club right now. Um, so he looks like a bloody idiot, and he's, tor- he's literally – torn this club to pieces um and it's sad because once they are really like they're a historic club um with you know uh, it's a it's a really proud history and, and it's just sad to see that you know that just the copa del rey was not was not good enough and so they had to detonate the team <laughs> um so yeah um worst window by a country mile um probably all for all around europe um just because of how the the team has collapsed um, and now the club has collapsed and yeah, um, it's sad. Uh, I like Valencia. I really do. I just think they've really kind of made some real poor decisions. <laughs> I don't even think we need to talk about anybody else. <laughs> nope. I, mean, I don't think anybody else. <laughs> everybody else has kind of had like the same transfer window. Like this was the one league that really nothing crazy happens so. no movers and shakers um but you know keep your keep your eye there are a couple of low guess, low fee signings i guess, I guess we could say barcelona because of the big scare with messi almost leaving or i shouldn't even say almost like messi wanting to leave but other than that like nothing so if that if, that, if that's all we got for this league we can move on over to italy all right i'm gonna start this one i'm gonna say the yeah, best there. transfer window inter milan they started off the transfer window with a big bang. They got Hakimi from uh, Real Madrid. That's a uh, that's a big one for him. They finalized the deal for Alexis Sanchez from Man U. He f- officially signed for him. Alexander Col- uh, Kolor- I can never say his last name. Kolarov. There you go. He uh, he comes in from Roma for very cheap. That's just like a backup guy, maybe for the cup or whatever. Uh, nobody knows that. Arturo, or Arturo Vidal is a pretty big signing for him. More experience, see if they can uh, maybe maybe fight for that title. And then Matteo Darmian from Parma on a tree on a free. Yeah, <laughs> I just like to throw those one like that one player that not know many people like or not know many people know. So, but uh, yeah, I think it's a very they built off of what they were doing last year. And this this year in Serie A actually looks very interesting between like about five clubs, it's very close. So I think these guys could they could make a big splash or make a big splash in the league with these moves. Yeah, uh, I mean I love their window with the one exception that the squad's old, uh, like very old. Um, they basically decided. That- like that Conte, Conte was talking, I mean, I remember earlier, uh, we were talking about how Conte wanted like a ton of players, like nine or 10. I mean, he got a lot of players in. Um, I think, 
I, I agree with you that they've probably had the best window um, in Italy just because I think that they've set themselves up for the title push this year. And I think that if, I mean, if they don't get it this year, I think that like that, that project is, is done just because of the age profile of their players. I mean, I love the midfield. Um, now um, my dream midfield pairing of, England and Vidal can happen, but now it's happening at the twilight of their career rather than like when they were actually like the best all around midfielders in Europe. Like MMA, um, it's just I know. <laughs> They're just it's like, it's like, it's like Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> <laughs> just, just two violent, animals. Two yeah. like violent aging box to box guys basically at this point. But they're so, they're also like really technically gifted. Like I've seen like I've seen Vidal play like uh, live, and that guy, that that man has a touch and a half on him. And and what I mean, he can ping a ball like nobody else. It's it's crazy. Um, people forget like how technically gifted Vidal is, just because he's just just such a bruiser sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, like I I think, you know, just for this season, like they've had a fantastic window. They, um, the defense is a little iffy, um, like letting Diego Godin go, even though he, Diego Godin wasn't like, did not have a good season last year. Like it's still depth in that uh, back three. Um, I mean, what was it? They played Kolarov in the, in a, in the back three. And that was, I mean, suspect to say the least. The most, the most recent back three that I've seen them play was, uh, <laughs> was Kolarov as the left center back. The right center back was Danilo D'Ambrosio, who oh, played great. as a right midfielder or a right wing back mostly last season. And then I believe it was um, – oh, who's the – You got a, you got a choice of three guys at this point, the Fry, Bastoni, and Skriniar. It was Bastoni. It was Bastoni, which is crazy. When the other two names are Stefan DeVry and Skriniar, I think it was Bastoni. Yep. So they need to figure that out, certainly. I mean, Kolarov, I think, could play center back, but ideally you want Skriniar and DeVry playing. So You just want him taking free kicks. That's pretty much it. Yeah, you want Kolarov on free kicks and, and corners because that's where he's unbelievable and shooting outside the box. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great shout, Rob. I mean, their squad was already so ridiculous. I, I just – I don't, like, really see – why they can't catch Juve, but then again, I said that last summer, and they didn't catch Juve. So, um, yeah, I mean, oh, and also, I believe, um, in addition to Roger Nyanglin coming back, I think they also have, um, I think they still have, oh, no, they don't. I thought they Ivan, still had Juan Ivan Mario. Even Perisic They did back. get Perisic. Yeah, Perisic is back. Juan Mario actually been, actually. Yeah, that's sort of now. Um, but they were actually trying to get rid of Nyanglen, so I don't think yeah. Nyanglen is going to play very much. I believe it's going to be Vidal and Brozovic, or Vidal and Barella, yeah, or Brozovic and Barella. And then it seems like Ericsson is coming back into the fold. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But that squad was already so ridiculous. I mean, the strikers are just unbelievable. Um, yeah, and now you have the elite right wing back talent in the world in uh, yep. Ashraf Hakimi playing playing in his preferred role, which is going to be good for him. So, and he's been, I believe, he already has three assists. So yeah, he's, he's, he's off to a great start. Um, he's he's been great already. Uh, but that's all I'll say about about Inter. I, they would have been my pick as well, probably. The one the one error that I will think that I do think that they made, um, and it kind of 
compounds the age thing is that they kind of chose uh, Vidal over Sandro Tonali. They kind of let Sandro Tonali go to uh, AC um, Milan, and I think that that was probably not the smartest decision um, in that, terms of the long term goal for the club. That makes a case for AC Milan having the best window. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. They had a great, like, great signings. I'm, um, I'm actually, I for once, I can say like this is a de- this is definitely a good uh, window for Milan. Um, this is probably the best Milan. This is probably the best looking Milan side since maybe 2014 or 2015. I would say probably. Yeah. I mean, the players are young. The players are much younger than the squad was in 2014-15. So. I think yeah. this is the best the team has looked since then, for sure. So yeah, I, I think like Rob was saying, like there there are you know four or five teams like that are looking really really exciting this year. We have no clue how Juventus are going to be. Um, we'll get on to them in a sec. Um, but I mean, you've got Inter challenging. I think Atalanta. This is probably again. This is another year that Atalanta will probably put on a, a, a push uh, for the title. Lazio barely changed at all. Um, but Lazio massively overperformed last season. Um, Roma got in Marash Kambula, who Seth is a big fan of. Um, <laughs> you can see the smile on his face. Um, <laughs> he's so excited. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I don't know. And, and Napoli, I think they Gattuso has actually done well with this Napoli squad, and he's, he's kept players that I thought they were going to let go of. Uh, Thought Milik was going to go, but he kept failing medicals all around the world. Um, Lozano looks like he's staying. So, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, City, uh, just just on virtue, you know, based on, like, the windows that we've seen, they, it just looks more exciting. Um, but, at, yeah, at I think we're all going to agree. I believe Milik is I believe Milik is not actually eligible to play for Napoli. Really interesting. Um, so I believe his contract was was either terminated or was he was coming to the end of his contract already, and then um, he was not put in their squad for the Serie A season. So yes, yeah, so I wasn't put, put in only appear. I think he can only appear in like other um, other competitions now. It's a bit of a stinker because they kept trying to offload him and he kept, and no one. Everyone, they, people were willing to take him, but they just I mean they couldn't take him. They were able to bring in Victor Osman, which is was a truly Huge. just unbelievable fee. I like almost couldn't believe my eyes when it happened because it was so much money. And the fact that they didn't sell Milik for anything makes that move look a little bit crazy now. Yeah, I think. I mean, like I, I like the signing of Osman, but I agree with you. This is it's it's a really ridiculous fee. Um, I don't think like I I think he's a great striker. Had a fantastic uh, season with Lille, but that's a lot of money. Like it's it's something like seventy million euros or something like that. And and I just I I I wouldn't have spent that much money, um, particularly when you you look at the attack that you have and the fact that you know like it, it's good for probably at least one more season, and that and like using that season you could have you know, bedded some more of the, the, the players into the side, you know, um, particularly Lozano, who had a terrible season last season, but I really still think there's t- there's, a, there's a player there. Um, so, uh, plus they let go of, uh, they let go of Kaya Hon on, uh, to Fiorentina, but like overall looking at their window, I think it's, 
you could probably see it as kind of a plus because um, they kind of kept the, the the core of the team together. Remember, like Fabian Ruiz was always linked with moves away. Koulibaly, we, I never think will be sold um, because they just kept pricing him out of a move. Um, plus, I don't think he's really the best option for a lot of teams now. Um, so I think like they will they'll be very very competitive, but I don't, I don't think they're like it's nowhere near the level of quality of your Inter's, your Atalanta's, and your Juve's. But again, Juve terrible window. All right. Is that all of our bests? Like we kind of got lost in conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a mess. <laughs> all right, now worst window um, in Italy. We'll go to you, Nick. I'm. I will. I'm actually gonna say Juventus. And I think it's weird that I would say that, but if you look at the actual way that the squad building has happened, I think that it's it's a, it's pretty poor, um, because they kind of sat on their haunches a little bit and didn't really take care of a lot of things. So like Kulishevsky came in, but that was like, that was a January move that was just kind of made. Um, that was done. And Kulishevsky will be great. Um, but Pirlo has now come in as the manager. And from the first couple of matches, it suggests that he wants to kind of control the ball, possess a, you know, um, play kind of just a more Italian way. Yeah. yeah. But in the end, like, I don't think the squad building has really been fantastic. I think the midfield looks a little is, is there's really specific things that like need to happen in that midfield for it to be successful. You need to play Benson and you need to play uh, Rabio for them to be like, actually like a reliable midfield. But even then, like who do you, who else do you kind of fit into there? Because they brought in Artur, and so like, and for the fee they brought in Artur for, um, which the net fee is is really small when you leverage it against the Pianish sale. Um, it's like who who else fits in there? Um, what does the front line look like? I I don't like the Morata signing at all. Um, I think that's a, probably going to be a terrible move in the end. He'll get goals, but again, like it's. It's a question of uh, Juve wanted to win the Champions League. That's why they brought in Ronaldo. That's why they brought in De Ligt. Like That's why they bring in these players, because they want to just go for the Champions League. And I think they could actually lose Serie A. Um, so, like, it's it's kind of one of those things that they didn't really secure their position. And, like, I like the, the signing of Weston McKinney, but I don't think it's really, like, the right decision. Um I don't think he's really going to fix things. And I don't think he's like a long-term solution for any of the, the, the midfield options. Um, the defense is, is old. Um, Delict and Demiral are just not going to get in while, while they're not fit. The, I just don't think they solved what they needed to solve, which was the aging squad. Like they got players out, which I'm like, I mean, they got rid of Iguain, they got rid of uh, Matsuidi, but the rest of the side, it just looks awkwardly put together. Um, and I think if they lose Serie A, it could really damage Pirlo as a manager in terms of his reputation, because this is Juventus. <laughs> this is also his first senior team that he's... Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be but a good just luck. got his badges too, so... Um, but I mean, and and then they brought in uh, the 
they brought in Feder uh, they brought in Chiesa from Fiorentina, and I don't see how Chiesa fits into that side. Um, there's just there's just so many players there that just don't seem to fit. Like Kulusevski seems to would would be uh, the first pick for that right you know that right side uh, of the attack, um, and then. You know, from there, what do you do? Do you play Ronaldo in the middle um, with Dybala in behind? Do you play Dybala in the middle with Ronaldo out left? There's just it's a it's very confusing, and I don't necessarily know how they're going to solve the problems. And then, like when you have Kies on top of that, where is he going to fit in? So don't you forget that they signed the American God Weston McKinney. So. Yeah, which is uh, just going to solve all their problems. All right, Seth, what do you got for his for the worst? I think the the problem with looking at the rest of Syria is that nobody like other than the Osaman transfer that I referenced made like a giant move that doesn't really make sense. But I would like to point out some of the moves that Roma made because they brought in so many players and got rid of so many players. So <laughs> they got rid of Patrick Schick who Nick and I still believe has a chance of being world-class and are really holding out hope for him. But, I'll get on to him later. <laughs> but but the, what I don't understand is if you have Ed and Jekko, who is like basically a dinosaur at this point playing striker, and you don't keep Patrick Schick around, I really don't understand that. Um, to replace Patrick Schick leaving, they brought in Borja Mayoral. I'll just let that simmer. For a little bit, Warhamiral, which I no one will like, no one will ever know how good he is. Like no one will. It's it's so weird. You know what I mean? Like, okay, that was that was two million pounds, but it, uh, or yeah, two million euros. Sorry, so that's not that bad. But then they spent eleven million on Carlos Perez from Barcelona. Eleven million? I, I'm confused there, because then you let Changish under go. I believe for free to, to, to Leicester or something like that. It was, it was nearly free, yeah. I, I believe. It was and, a free trip. Yeah. Apparently they paid $3 million. But then also Alexander Kolarov, who has been the only thing keeping their goal contributions alive for the past like three seasons, goes also on a tiny, tiny, tiny fee. And you're bringing in – you know, you're bringing in Chris Smalling, who was excellent for you last year, but he's 30 years old and you're paying 15 million for him. Yep. And it's like, I, I really don't, I don't understand these signings because then you're getting Rosh Kambula, who had a great season in Syria last year, on loan. Instead of trying to get a player like Chris Smalling on loan again because he's 30 and you shouldn't be investing 15 million into him, you sign Rosh Kambula on loan which I don't think even has an option to buy. I, I didn't hear about that. And you're spending $16 million on Jordan Veratu, who is basically an anomaly. I, I really am not yeah. sure like, what his best position is. They've been playing him in the 10 recently, and I think that's just because Zaniolo had that horrible injury. But it's just like I, I really don't understand. And then on a free transfer, you pick up a permanent option on Hendrik Mkhitaryan, and you pick up Pedro, who both play in the same position. Both of those players play as a right-sided attacking midfielder. And yep. then you let Chingish undergo, who has age on them by like six or seven years. 
So I really just don't understand. I'm not going to go out and say that Roma like shit the bed and spent a lot of money, but they signed some strange players and let, in my opinion, some very talented players go, including the name I haven't mentioned yet, Justin Clivert. Yeah. I think Justin Clivert letting him go is very confusing to me because it's, it's only alone because clearly the fit is not there at Roma yeah. and you should have tried to get a fee for him. And you should have tried to get a fee for him like last winter or last summer. So I really don't understand this business from Roma. But then again, Roma's ownership has been all over the place for the last couple of seasons. So that's what I'll say. Yeah, they, they, they do like every single one of their signings is always structured as a loan to buy. Um, and it's weird if they do that because they always lock themselves in, into these transfers and the player will be there for a year. And in that year, they'll do nothing. And then they have to buy them. That's the case with like Jordan Baratou. It's the case with a lot, just a lot of these players. And something that you always want to keep in mind, right? When you're selling a player, like or offloading a player in any form is who's actually coming in for them. And you have to ask yourself why, right? Would it be a mistake to let them go for nothing or on loan or just to let them go in general, right? So Cliver was picked up by Leipzig and Leipzig are always going to develop young players and always going to turn them into something a little bit better. Like anybody from the Red Bull group, if you see that they're in for one of your younger players, you have to think, why are they coming for this young player? Um, and that, that, that should immediately suggest to you that there's talent there. I was, and I was kind of the same on um, when Atalanta uh, kind of re-signed uh, Caldara on loan from Milan. Like, I thought that was a poor move by Milan because when you look, it's like Atalanta are coming in for one of my center backs. What does that tell me about that center back, <laughs> right? Um, so... Yeah, like, I mean, the, the likes of Bunder leaving and the likes of Clivert leaving, like, you, you have to look at that and think, oh, like, maybe there's something I'm losing out on. Because, like, Leicester are the best of transfers. But you have to think, like, Chengi Sunder going to Leicester, like, makes sense. So why, would I, why am I, like, why, why am I letting him go? Um, and then, obviously, like, Alessandro Florenzi, who I've never understand why they've just kind of axed him. Um, because, like, he was, like, meant to be the leader. Um, after, you know, you lose Totti and Trossi, like Florenzi was, was, was kind of next in line for the, the captaincy and, and everything. Um, and so they let him go on loan to Valencia over the back half of last season. And now they're letting him go to PSG uh, on loan, which is weird. So yeah, like, I think they're kind of doing a little bit of a reset um, with some of the younger players coming in. So I don't really want to say like, cause I don't necessarily know what the project is. Um, so I'm not confident in saying like they're the worst window, but it's been a pretty bad window. So Seth took my pick there for Roma. <laughs> uh, just for uh, just for a different sake, I'm just going to say Lazio. They didn't do anything really. Nothing. So that, that they, I guess that you said before that they overachieved greatly last season, which is, I, I agree with you on that. So I guess it's not the end of the world for them. But at the same time, like you're always trying to set new standards for yourself. So after having a great season like that, to to try and not have another season like that, it's kind of disappointing. So I'll just that's all I really have to say. It's nothing to do with like the players they bought in and the players they, they threw out, it's just that. So that yeah. they should have done. No, Pepe Reina, like Pepe Reina, Andreas Pereira. 
those are the two guys that they really brought in. Like, are they really money then? <laughs> There's one elite talent there. <laughs> and he's, and he's and older he's than 30. <laughs> and he's bald. <laughs> he's, and he's at the end of his career. <laughs> um, one of the, the good thing, that, the one good thing that they did do was they tied down uh, Strakosha. Um, and Thomas Strakosha had a phenomenal season last year. One of the best keepers uh, in the league, in the world. Like, he, like seriously great uh, shot stopper. Um, the fact they tied him down to, to, for the long term, that's a plus. Um, because, like, he was actually my first pick when people were talking about who's Chelsea going to buy as a goalkeeper. Like, I was like, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> like, um, so um, that's, that's one plus. Um, so they've secured their assets. But, yeah, they have not turned you know turned it up so I, I, I think it's a good shout but other than that i don't think we got anything else for the italian league no no all right now we're gonna go to deutschland we're going to germany for our best Yay. let's go to uh seth i'm gonna make this quick dortmund i think had the best window for every fan of a club that's not Manchester United because they kept Jadon Sancho. They also signed Jude Bellingham, who was a player that Manchester United were also linked with. Um, they also signed Tama Munier, who I think is someone who's been uh, overlooked recently as like a, a very solid Champions League level uh, right back. Dortmund have qualified for the Champions League again. I think they're uh, looking maybe higher than second, but I mean, it's hard to ignore. I know all those things I just said about Dortmund are very nice and very kind, but Bayern Munich, after winning the treble, went out and got their man. Leroy Sané is finally part of the squad. He has already picked up a minor injury, which I would like to point out, but Leroy Sané is electric and he's world-class. And I don't think a lot of people can uh, argue with that. Yes, they lost Thiago, but Thiago was going anyway. He was he was leaving anyway. What they did do is they signed depth in positions that I thought were very iffy. And if they were to get a major injury in one of those positions, I don't think they'd be able to recreate the success that they had last year. The depth that they signed is very interesting because they picked up league on players in those positions. And a lot of people think that the league on is this farmer's league and that there's not a lot of uh, quality beyond PSG. But they managed to pick up uh, Eric Maxim Chupamoting, who has Bundesliga experience. That's an incredibly smart signing from Bayern Munich. He can play striker. He can play as a winger. He can play behind the striker. Then you go out and you get Bonasar. And Bonasar is a converted right back, was a winger for most of his career. But the way that Bayern possessed the ball, you basically want a winger at fullback. So that was, I think, also a very like smart signing from them. And then you see them let go of some of the problems. <laughs> they let go of Mikel Cuisance, who is an undoubtedly talented player, but someone who is just a attitude little bit off. Awful. I was going to say, he's off the attitude rails right now. And I think he <laughs> needs to get a move away from a massive club and just like find himself again. Um, but I think Bayern Munich are going to win the title again. I think they're going to be strong in the Champions League again. I'm not going to understate the importance of Thiago Alcantara, but the rest of that team is frankly ridiculous. I mean, Alfonso Davies. Give me one second. My computer's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Alfonso Davies is incredible. There's other young players in that team who are just excellent, and 
Nicholas Sula was out for most of last season and they still were unbelievable. And we know how good Nicholas Sula can be. So that's basically like a new signing. I mean, he's coming back, um, hopefully stronger than ever. He's a, he's a brilliant player. And I think he'll, he'll really fill the shoes of, of Boateng's uh, pretty decent season that he had last year. And I think Alaba will continue to be excellent. Neuer doesn't show any signs of uh, regressing really, but um. Yeah, I would say my choice for best would be Bayern Munich. But I think really the, the one that needs to be talked about is worst window in, in, in the Bundesliga because it's just – it's embarrassing, honestly. Similar to the situation in Spain with Valencia. It's just – it's really just like a, cat, a, a catastrophic sort of event going on. <laughs> I don't know, right, Nick, Nick you want to talk about the, the, the team – Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I'll let you go for best. You took two. You took two teams. Your best. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I agree that Bayern have actually done some really good moves, um, but I think I'm, I'm not sure, um, like how healthy the, the, uh, all their decisions are. Like, I don't know. Like, in terms of, uh, particularly like with the midfield. I think they didn't really replace Thiago. Like they got one of their long-term targets in uh, Roca, um, and he's great. But again, they're not gonna. It's not gonna replace Thiago. So I think that was kind of thing because like Hansi Flick wanted to keep him, uh, they just couldn't. Um, and one of the things that I'm not sure about is how they set the the team up. One of the things that the uh, Pep Guardiola talked about was. When he won the when he won everything right in his first season as Barcelona manager right the the turnaround is so hard after you've done that like how do you pick the team up and do the and wh- where do you go and I think there's the question for Bayern is where like where are they going to go um, so there's that to contend with um, I think that. You know, they've, they've signed some pretty good players, but I think there are still, like, clear problem areas in the squad that are probably going to get exploited in the latter stages of the Champions League. Um, the high line, for one, the fact that, like, they I, they need to play Alaba and Shula as the center-back pairing, um, but they still keep having to play Boateng because of his passing range, but Boateng does not have the pace to play that high line anymore. Um, so there's that... Uh, the fact that they can't tie Alaba down because apparently they have some financial issues. Uh, and I think that that's probably just tied to the pandemic. Um, but they, the fact that they can't like tie him down is kind of huge because that is Alaba for me last, at least last season was one of the top, you know, four or five center backs in the world. Um, he's incredibly smart in the way that he plays because he's played all of those positions, left back center mids, center back so he knows how all those players around him are going to think so there's that um so those are they're just little things um that you have to kind of, that i would keep my eye on um so that just just those things um but for me i have to say that my number one for this window it's kind of tough because because of the outgoings but some of the incomings i really like um, with Leverkusen. Um, so obviously the big story with Leverkusen is they, they sold Kai Havertz, but apparently as I've been reading into that deal, the, that the talks for that were kept kind of really quiet, but they've been going on throughout the entirety of last season. So that is, so it was something that was on 
Leverkusen's mind. And they've kind of brought in, they brought Florian Wirtz in towards the tail end of last season and gave him minutes. He got his first uh, Bundesliga goal. He's like, the, he's now officially the youngest Bundesliga goal scorer. Um, so um, I, I would keep my eye on Wirtz just because they, they didn't sign anyone to like knock him out. Um, so I think he's going to develop well, but the incomings I really like, I love Patrick shit coming in. I think like we were talking about, like you, you can't, if you're a Roman, you can't let him go. And you certainly can't let him go to a side that definitely needs a per- that he's that he's going to be a perfect fit for. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And I really like, Santiago Arias coming in like he's not a fantastic right back but I mean when you can't have when that team can never settle on a single right back I think Arias will probably play uh within that um gung-ho attacking style that we've seen under Bosch like just a little bit better than somebody like uh Weiser or one of the Bender uh, twins, typically it's Lars down on the right side. And then also Hertha Berlin had a great little window. Um, bringing in Ganduzi on loan, um, that's pretty good. Um, the fact that he's, like, for me, is one of the premier central midfield talents, um, like, all around. And I think that they, they've just got a tidy little squad together now, Hertha Berlin, like, um, with Mateusz Cunha. Like, there's just, there's a lot of nice pieces there. Um, that I think long-term are going to, are really going to pay dividends. Um, I, I mean, they've got, you've still got Piontek, you've got, they brought in John Cordoba, which I thought was funny um, from Köln for quite a high fee. It's somewhere in the region of like $17 million or something like that. But I think they could, I mean, like they're, they're just little things that they did, particularly with the Genduzi thing. And then, um, so I think that Hertha are going to challenge uh, in the top half of the table. Um, they looked pretty good against Bayern. It took, you know, four goals from Leva to really sink them. So I'm, I'm kind of a fan of what they're, they're doing. Um, and I think that, that it's just a lot of the teams around the Bundesliga don't have, like they don't have the funds to spend because so much of their revenue comes from match day revenue. Um, but I think a lot of them made some really tidy little moves like that. Like, when you look at like some something something like Cordova, like it's not like a phenomenal. He's not a phenomenal striker, but he he's just something different than than what they have. Um, so yeah, and and again, like obviously, like I like what RB Leipzig did to try and replace Timo Werner. They didn't have, um, they didn't go you know all out for one big striker. They went for kind of like a bunch of little like different players. So they got uh, Huang Hee Chan, who I mean like. I was saying Seth like a couple of months ago, like, I mean, that guy is built like a tank um, and uh, they brought in Sorloth. So like, they've got two uh, great, you know, great little strikers that they, that'll contribute. So rather than going for like a 30 goal season striker, they brought in a couple of guys who will get, you know, 10 to 15 goals. Um, and Paulson will, will, will go on and, obviously Clivert. So I, and, and Benny Hendricks going to Leipzig as well. So, I, I mean, I don't really, I don't think there's a clear, clear winner, but there have been so many like good moves that a lot of these sides made that just make you excited to watch them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would just say that Santiago Arias for Leverkusen is probably going to be more of a January signing because he basically like split his leg in half playing for Colombia. Well, <laughs> Uh, he had like a it was like Jesus. one of the worst things 
one of the worst ankle injuries I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so that'll probably be more like a January signing. Um, but you're right. I mean, that's a great signing. That's a huge coup for, for Bayer Leverkusen, honestly. Um, but yeah, Rob. No, I don't really have a best. So we're just going to move on to worst. <laughs> Good idea. Good idea. Cause, cause we all have a worst. In mind. We're all in agreement on this, right? Like, let's clarify. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. All right. Let's get it over with. Rob, you want to start us off? <laughs> I'm I'm wearing their I'm wearing their colors in mourning basically. Um, Schalke are a mess. Uh, FC Schalke are a mess. They basically are one of the most confusing teams that I've ever seen. Um, two seasons ago, they had a combination of players in their attack that was Daniel Caligari, Bergstaller, and a few others. And they were actually kind of fun to watch. And it was like, everything seemed to be going okay. This was like the 17-18 season. Tedesco well, season. Now, yeah, the Tedesco season. And now it seems like everything is falling apart. Caligiuri is no longer a Schalke player. Weston McKinney is no longer a Schalke player. They, they had brought in Mark Oot for the 18-19 season, I believe. That didn't work out. He's now a Cologne player, I believe. Then, I, I, I can't even... I can't even remember who they signed for their uh, striking option. Paciencia, who I like. Pa- Paciencia from Frankfurt. Ibišević, who's apparently not taking really any wages. <laughs> and I was just about to say, Vedat Ibišević, who is one of the highest foreign goal scorers in Bundesliga history, but he's also like 35. Yeah. And it doesn't really make sense because they also had sent their veteran goalkeeper, Ralph Farman, on loan to some absolutely random team last year. He's now the starter because they sold Nubel to Bayern Munich. So <laughs> they're, they're on a free. Their young goalkeeper talent is now back replaced by their much, 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 much older goalkeeper. And their veteran leader, right wing back, right wing, right back, super versatile Daniel Caligiuri is now also gone after having a terrible season last year. So Schalke are a complete mess and I'm really sad to see them get to this point but it's been coming for a lot of years now they're not the champions league club playing against real madrid that they were you know six five or six years ago so i think they're set to go down like, I, I, yeah like they're, they're definitely i feel like i feel like they kind of set, like a lot of it comes down to the fact that they just don't have any money and so they were desperate to raise funds this summer like absolutely desperate um and so they were trying to offload McKenney to absolutely everybody. And in, in the end, they only, they only let him go on loan um, with, I believe there's an option to buy on that. But I mean, again, like it's just one of those things where, you know, the club is, is falling apart. And a lot of it just comes down to the fact that they, a lot of it is, is pandemic stuff um, with losing so much revenue. But I mean, like it's a poorly run club anyway. Um, so like, like you said, like they let go of Nubel, but they also let go of the next one in line, which would have been Marcus Schubert. So they let him go on loan to Frankfurt. And so then they, and, but it was like kind of like a two way thing because they brought in uh Rono from Frankfurt. So like, there's really no clear um, plan here. It's just watching the squad like slowly fall apart. And it's, it, it is sad because I mean, you can't really hate on Schalke. Um, 
as an outsider. They're, they're, they've always kind of been just like a, a fun side to, to, to watch because of the young players who come through and everything. But yeah, it's, it's, it's completely fallen off the rails. And the one asset that they have, right, that they could have got rid of and raised some serious money for was Ozan Kabak. And they didn't because they just wanted to be able to like last in the Bundesliga. Um, but they've already sacked David Wagner um, after uh, what was a dismantling by Bayern um, on opening day, which everybody saw coming. Um, but like, you know, the subsequent results have shown that it wasn't like just because Bayern are great. It was because Schalke are awful. Um, so I don't know what the plan is going forward. Um, I don't think they know. Nick, so, they still have uh, they still have Suat Serder as well, and oh, they, yeah, still yeah. Have, they still have Amin uh, Herit as well. Who, yeah. So the, I mean, there there there's the, yeah. So those are three assets, right? Like those are like good players. Now, what the smart decision is, I don't know. Do you keep him or sell? I think you sell Kabak. Um, I think you want to keep hold of Serdar because you don't. There isn't going to be anybody who's really in for him. It's not going to be much of a bidding war. Whereas like there are teams that are interested in Kabak and. I like Hadi, um, just like as as a little technician. Um, I remember Atalanta were sniffing around at him earlier in the window. Um, would have loved to see him there, honestly. It would have been really exciting. Um, but I would love anybody in that system. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 it's it's just sad because there's no direction. So, I don't know. It's crazy to think that in 2017, 2018, they were runners up in the Bundesliga. Now they're going to be relegated. Just like oh, yeah. that shows how fast they can just all go. It's, it, shows, it shows the turnover in the Bundesliga, and 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 why the people when you don't pay attention to it, you you miss so much that like it's so much crazy, you know, stuff that happens. Um, so yeah, I mean, sad, but it's it it was coming. All right, is that, is, do we have anybody else have anything on worst or we're just all in agreement that they have probably the, one of the worst transfer windows in a long time. We've had two really bad transfer windows this season in, in regards to like the whole world. Yeah. All right. Now we move on to league. Uh. I'm going to go to Nick first for best. For, for, for best in league. Uh. I'm going to say Lille. And I'm going to caveat this by uh, saying that they uh, didn't really, you know, perfectly replace uh, Gabriel, who they sold to um, Arsenal. Um, but I, I think, you know, like, first of all, it's the Jonathan David thing. Like, that, that sells it for me, right? The, the thing that they're really, really good at is turning over um, talent for whatever reason. They, 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 they finally found this system that works to, to scout uh, the young players and bring them in. So um, they got rid of Osterman. Um I don't know. I'm more impressed by the fact that they, they, they sold and replenished the talent than anything else. Um, because I think that's just really hard for a, a team of that size. Um, and they brought in some, uh, I can't bloody remember his uh, name. Uh, the, center back who they brought in from Herenvin. Um I think it's Sven Botman. Uh, yeah. Oh, Sven Botman, yep. Yep. He can and also he's, be right back. Yep. And, uh, sorry, they brought him from Ajax. We played for Herenvin last season. Um, I I actually really like that move. 
Um, because like there's nothing there's he's not really like he's not gonna rip up trees like he's not as good as Gabriel was but I think he's going to replace him in a very solid way so look out for him to be like for for to get minutes and to be pretty uh, solid um, overall but I think the it's just the fact that they they kept the a, the core of a great squad together they um, they brought in Yilmaz of all players uh, so uh, who like not like the greatest striker and he's old as dirt but when you have they're really good at keeping like players alive and doing well so i just that, i that like was, what they did that was more replacement for loic remy i believe yeah me leaving because he went to the turkish league and then brock Yilmaz came the I other way yeah so i i don't know they, they have they brought in some really older older players but they also just it's just that they kept the core of a good young side together yeah. um i mean and they're you, just you can say you can say they had a great window because they sold Osman for so much. You could yeah. just say that, you know? Like, yeah. And replace them with two players, one who's very experienced and is going to get you goals and someone who has an incredibly high ceiling and that they will be able to sell on in yep. Jonathan David. Definitely. I think, I mean, Jonathan David will probably be the next in that, like, line of, like, you know, buy, sell, buy, sell. Like, because, I mean, like, the, the impressive thing was that they sold Nicola Pepe, who scored, what was it, 22 goals for them. Um, and then they still turned it over and brought in Osman and still were competitive. And they do the same thing, and they bring in Jonathan David. Now, uh, I really, really like Jonathan David just because like, he's just a very dynamic, um, useful forward. Um, and I really like what the front line looks like now. Um, just all around, there's a lot of just, like, really great, uh, fun players to watch. Um, you got Bamba, um, Ikone on the other side. I, I, it's, it's, it's going to be very fun to watch them. And that's probably why I just, I'm so bullish on their window <laughs> just because I know they're going to be a good watch. Another thing about Lil is that they bought majority ownership of the Saad in Povista. So that's their official satellite club now. So they'll be able to send young guys over there to play in Portugal, like an Angel Gomez. Stuff like yeah. that. Angel Gomez, uh, Leonardo. Because they bought him in London uh, over to him. Um, yeah. And so, he'll, he'll, like, long-term, we'll see how he works out. But I think he'll do really well at Boavista. So. They yeah, signed so him on a free and then loaned him, which is even better business. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was a free agent. <laughs> but, uh, Seth, what do you got for your best? Um, quick shout-out to R.C. Lon. Um, I think... Bringing back Gael Kakuda is one of the most beautiful romantic moves I've ever seen. Um, he's been great. He takes their penalties. They win a lot of penalties, and he scores them. Um, they also signed Seiko, uh, Seiko Fofana, who used to play for Manchester City. I think I like he's actually that. a great midfielder. He's been uh, super consistent for Udinese for like three seasons now. He's only 25, but they spent $12 million on him, which is a good investment from a promoted team who has intent of staying up. They beat PSG. They look good. They have an incredibly solid back line. And I think uh, RC Lon are going to be one to watch. Watch them go down now. Um, but my actual choice would be um, my actual choice would be Leon. And really? Weird, but, it's, but it's because of the players they were able to keep and the players they were able to sell. Not because they really signed anyone specific. They, they, they were able to shift on Bertrand Traore, who really hasn't had a sniff in a long time. But they were also able to keep Awar and Memphis to pie. So I don't know how that happened, but they were able to do it. They still have Dembele. They still have they still have um, 
what is his name? Hold on. <laughs> the right back. Um, Dubois? Dubois. They sold Leo Dubois, who I, I think is honestly a sellable asset. He had such a good season. Um, they got rid of Marsal, who I think is like maybe the most surplus to requirements wing back I've ever seen in my life. He just like, they just got rid of him basically. And there's, there. I'm just saying it's Leon. There has to be a young French left-sided player somewhere in their, in their youth system that they'll be able to replace Mar- uh, replace Marcel with. I know um, it's a bold shout. I just wanted to say it because I think I'm more inclined to put them in the losers. Are in, I, I, <laughs> because I, they I, didn't sell. I think I saw that coming a little bit that you're going to put them in the losers, but I just think like after the Champions League campaign they had, putting the names of these players out there as being these world-class players is att- going to attract a fee. You know, it's going to attract fees for Memphis and, and Awar, but they weren't going to get very much money for them this window. I just think that's like an established. Maybe, but I don't, I don't know if their stock will ever be higher. I don't know if their stock will ever be higher at Lyon because, because of the champions league, you know, like you can put it like, cause you, there are actually, there's actually interest in, in Awar. There's interest in Memphis. So you want to get them, you know, you want to offload them now. So that's, I that's where I, I come in. Cause I, I'm, I'm, I don't know yeah. if from like, I think that, Maybe because I just trust them to be able to turn over talent and find the next guy, and that because that's what Leon have, have always done. That's their model. So if I, if maybe it's just because I, I I like to see Leon sell and and turn it over, and that's why I'm being a little bit harsh. Um, but I think maybe it might have been time to get, let go of Awar. I, I don't know. I just like. He's gonna do well for them. Like they'll, the both the, the players, the fact they kept them, they'll 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 probably turn around and have a good season. Um, I think they probably sorted out uh, the issues with the defense. But I mean, like, there's just there's that niggling thing in me that, that thinks that like it's time to move on to the next project for him. I don't know. Jigs up on that. <laughs> you could you could say I'm wrong. They they also lost uh, Weary, who I think is a is a really like interesting and exciting mm-hmm. talent and he went he went to a rival he went to nice um yep. and they also and i think that i think that was a mistake i think that was a mistake. yeah but um i have to say selling martin terrier who has never shown that he's going to be a world beater he had a lot yeah. of hype around him when he was like 18 years old um Turned selling him for 12 nothing. million in league uh to a that's rival a, that's a getting good deal. 12 million off a rival that's a great deal but also i know lucas paquetta was a little bit of a flop at milan but it has been shown that when Leon bring in an attacking midfielder who is a little bit on the fringes, he usually turns out to be ridiculous. That's and why I it would have been. That was Paquette's why it would have been good to to sell. Like if you sell Awar and you bring in Paquetta, then I mean you still have Kakay. Yeah, and, and, I think I, I think <laughs> Awar and Paquetta are a little bit of, of different different models of players. But um, I yeah, I mean I. I think Leon will be fine, and I hope that they can push up towards the Champions League places with keeping Awar in Memphis, but I, I'm sure you have a very good case for for someone else. <laughs> All right, and for my best, I'm just going to keep it simple and say PSG. What? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they got much older and much younger at the same very <laughs> at the same time, I guess. Mario Cardi, Alessandro Florenzi, Rafinha, Daniel Pereira, and Moise Keane. That's who they brought in. 
I mean, I, I guess it helps the club out. There's really nothing else in Liga, and that's really great when it comes to good windows. But I think this is one of the better ones. It's not horrible. It could have been better, but I think in relative, I think relative to their situation, they're my number one loser. Like because <laughs> like seriously, hold on, Nick. Go ahead. Go go ahead. You're your losers now. All right. Well, look. First of all, every single player that they brought in, with the exception of Mauro Icardi, which was a deal agreed before the window, um, was on loan. So that's the first. That's their first red flag, that they didn't spend any money, and it's PSG not spending any money. That's the first. That's the first red flag. The second thing is that Tuchel and Leonardo are having ish. Like there, there's a there is a serious beef between the two over the over the summer over the fact that. Um, what Tuchel wants for the team is not what Leonardo wants for the team. And I also think they haven't strengthened. And this is a team that just were just in the Champions League final. And I think that they've got a little bit weaker. If you see some of the if there's if there is one injury, I think that the their goal of winning the Champions League is kind of gone kaput. Um because Di Maria is another year old there. Di Maria is your main chance is your main guy for uh, linking up and like chance creation besides like Neymar, but like Neymar you want further forward anyway. Um, so, and then they didn't really fix the problems um, with the defense. You let go of Thiago Silva and you let go of some of your very, very young promising guys like Aushish and uh, Tongi Nyonskwasi to Bayern. Um, so there's that because Tuchel was having issues with the fact that a lot of the young, like really promising talent is going, um, which is an issue with PSG. Uh, like guys like Diaby were gone, guys looking Kunku, like they just, they, they, they get rid of them and they, and it comes back. Edward, Lacone. Yep. Um, there's many others as well. Kings League, Coma scoring against them in the, in the Champions League final. Um, so that was like a problem. And, and, and it seems that, it's going to come to a head because uh, Aushisa started well. Um, the fact that in that defense that just lost Tiago Silva and they're letting Kuasi go, like that's, that's, that's suspect. Like that, cause that, that's a big hole opening up and guys like Diallo will come and fill it. But Kimpemba and Marquinhos haven't started as well as they finished last season. So I, I'm unsure about that. The squad looks older. The midfield isn't quite balanced enough because it's Verratti and Gay. And then after that, there's just a bunch of defensive-minded midfielders. Even Rafinha coming in is actually last season excelled more defensively than he did attacking in, in the attack. Um, Draxler would really be the only... Yeah, and Draxler, Draxler is clearly on his way out. Uh, with one year left on the deal uh, on his contract, so when I look at them and I look at who they were looking at at the start of the summer, like they were looking at left back targets, Regilon, Telish, um, and they were looking at um, really just overall strengthening the side. They were looking at Allen, and now Allen's gone to Everton, and I just think that there's they've lost the joined up thinking. I still think they'll walk away, you know, walk away with Liga, like that's but that's a minimum requirement for them. And I think that long term, I think this is the last real year you're going to get of Neymar, Mbappe, and whoever else is the third guy in that attack, be it Di Maria, Icardi. Um, so I think this is the last year that you're really going to have that 
side together, and it's not as strong as it was last year. The loss to Tiago Silva cannot be understated. So that's my case for them. You can, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that they didn't really go out and, and fix what they need to fix. Moise Kent is not a replacement for Edinson Cavani. <laughs> that much is clear. So um, that's why I just think they should be alone. It's today in their game. Against um, Angers, they won six one. Yeah, but I just I'm I I I don't think they'll do what they want to do, like which is win the Champions League. Against against Nimes, they won four nothing. Mm-hmm. So, but Nimes is very what, different to Bayern Munich, or yeah, you know, that's, later in the season. So I think Tuchel will be gone by the end of the season, and I Probably. I think it's I hope he, I hope he leaves because I want to see him manage a team that's. That's not PSG. <laughs> I want to see him do something, do take on a project that's really exciting because that's what he can do. Um, but yeah, who knows? So that's my case. <laughs> <laughs> to finish up, Rob, I don't know if you have another case for uh, the worst in Liga, but I had a feeling you might want to talk about Benfica just to round off the episode. To end, yes, it. yes, I really much want to talk about Benfica. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> Collapse. I mean, this is the the worst I've ever seen. The worst team I've ever seen play, wearing a Benfica badge, was last year. Towards the end of last year, the fallout was strong. Loss. <laughs> everything, everything was horrible. They literally, the, I, I don't even. You're gonna get me go back to this, right? We collapsed a seven point lead in the league to Port, right? And then in the the domestic cup final. Porto go down to 10 men, and they score two goals on a set pieces, and we lose the game. The worst I've ever seen it. I was embarrassed to be an Afika fan during those days, and I wanted change in the offseason. I want a change in the front office of the team. I still want change in the front office of the team. I don't care what he brought in this, this window. But he did bring back our lord and savior, George Zazouche, my man. And when you're going to – and they promised George Zazouche – a lot of money to spend. They, he, they gave him everything he wanted. So, Joe Jesus is like, sure, I'll, you can pay me a lot. You can pay me the $10 million that you're going to pay me this season, and I'm going to buy as many players as I want. So, let's go through the list here. This is ought to be fun. All right. So, to start off, you have Jan Vertonghen. He was the first confirmed one. Jan Vertonghen is big. That's – if everything went to plan, we would still have Ruben Diaz. So at the time, it was going to be Ruben Diaz and Jan Vertonghen, and that's a very good one-two right there. Then you have Gilberto Jr. from Fluminense, from Brazil. This was supposed to help us out on our fullbacks because Andre Almeida, I love the guy to death. He's been on the team for a very long time. But if I'll be honest with you, the guy sucks. <laughs> I live this man. <laughs> this man literally, he takes so many crosses. One of them goes in, and like it's okay, right? Everybody's like, "Oh my god, this guy's so good." But the other thing, right, is that I have a whole collection in my backyard of missed crosses that he's fucking brought in. Okay, he's so bad. All right, but that—that's what Junior's supposed to help. <laughs> that's what Ju- that's what Junior's supposed to help out with. Another man that we signed was Luca Waldschmidt from Freiburg. This was my favorite of the transfer window. It was very cheap. Low-key bargain. 
for 17 million for a guy like this, I was like, oh, this guy's going to be amazing. And he went under the radar with all these fans because the next guy I'm going to talk about, Everton Sebolinia. I don't know how we got this guy. I really don't. I don't know how we got this guy. This guy is too good for this league. He's way too good for Portugal. He's not going to be in Portugal for long. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Then, to get another striker in here, we go to – this one's a very interesting one, though. So, we went to the Segunda Liga – or what's it called? It's Segunda Liga, right, in Spain, something like that? Yes, we, yeah, we, broke tra- we broke the transfer fee for the Segunda Liga and Benfica's transfer fee record for Darwin Nunez for $26 million. Which is a weird one, but it this could be interesting. It's interesting. At first, I was a little suspect, but then I watched a couple of his games – and he's actually got some problems behind him. He hasn't been able to score a goal yet, but he has like four assists in three games. It's mm-hmm. very like he's a good he's a good false nine guy. It's kind of interesting. And then this next signing was probably the the pinnacle of the window, Nicholas Otamendi. <laughs> this guy is supposed to replace Ruben Diaz, our captain. Because we failed to make the Champions League, so we had to sell. We sold Ruben Diaz, the captain, the guy who's he has been at this club since he was a wee young lad. I mean, he's been along for a long time. So we picked up Nicholas Otamendi. This one, I'm the, the hear me out on this one. I, when you first hear it, you're like, man, screw this. I don't want this guy. But for a guy who's played in the league before, say that it was to of all freaking teams, right? That's one thing George Jesus doesn't care is that who like, it doesn't matter who who he's played for. It's whatever he wants. Nicholas Otamendi is bad in the Premier League, but he could be a good option off the bench in the Portuguese league. And he is going to be starting on the bench because Benfica just went to Barcelona and went like, hey, we want your uh, Jean-Claire Tobido. Todibo, yeah, it's the, the literally okay. That's the pick. That's the pick of the transfer for me. You may say it's Everton. I am big on Todibo. I am a huge fan of Todibo. I would, I would second that. <laughs> it's a great young center back, and I cannot believe that you got him. <laughs> it's on a loan, and I think there is a buyout clause for it. There is, yep. So, I mean, that could be something big there. But the whole this transfer window has been amazing been very happy with it and like you look at who we've who we've sent out right chris willock who we picked up a couple years ago he's off the qpr now for less than a million he was we were gonna try and do something crazy with him nothing really happened alpha smedu who actually i really did like a lot he, he scored a, an amazing goal in the champions league i don't know if you guys ever seen it but it was like the most unusual goal of all time. <laughs> it's either Champions League or Europa League. It was very unusual. Jota is on loan to Valioid, uh, Real Valioid, which I, he needs playing time because every time he came in to play for Benfica, he did not do very well. Uh, he doesn't mean Thomas Tavares, he needs more playing time, so he's doing. He's, he's off to Deportivo uh, Alaves. Vinicius, of course, is out. That one kind of hurts, but it, it really seemed like it wasn't in George Azusha's plans to use it. Yep. And there was like some there was some like drama between George Mendes and, and George Azush and George Mendes he threatened that he would uh, he would sell Vinicius or something like that. It was, it was a very unusual thing, but you got rid of him at the right time. I mean, if if Tottenham do want to sign him on a permanent, then you've just you know 
a player who scored quite a few goals for you and is probably never going to be worth more than he is right now, you could get a good fee for that. So I think that was a good idea. Yep. Uh, Florentino Luigi is now at Monaco, which is a very big move for him. He's on loan. I he like, did have I a- like that for all parties, man. Like, I think, I think, you know, like you're, you, you're not the biggest fan of Florentino. I know, but I'm no, not, I think he's he had a very good first half of the year. Then he just really hit the, the yeah. But I think it's a, it's a good move for him to develop. And I don't know that, that Monaco will a hundred percent take him up on that option because Monaco historically, I mean, when you look at their defensive fielders, they keep trying to bring back like Bakayoko. They haven't been like willing to pull the trigger. So there's a positive there. Yeah. Then, then other than that, the, the two bad things that happened were of course, Ruben Diaz, she left like I said before, he's been with the club since he was a little boy. He was supposed to be the next captain of this team. He was supposed to be that guy who was going to stay, who was going to start at Benfica and end at Benfica. But we bought all these players, and we somehow collapsed in the Champions League qualifier game against Pauk, and we had a sell. So there's that. Now we're going to be playing in Europa League, where we hopefully will be able to win that because – with this team, they should be able to. I know there's some competition mm. there. We play, Spurs. I have Spurs winning that. It's, it's going to be hard, but you got to be able to do something. The curse is going to be broken this year. I'm calling it right now. Okay. <laughs> the, other guy, the other guy is kind of a joke one. So Zivkovic, he came into the club a while ago. He did very well again with uh, Vitoria, And then after that, he didn't do anything. And we sold him to Pauk, right? And guess who scored against Benfica playing for Pauk? Yep. So that was a big slap in the face to our president, who's going to be leaving office hopefully by the end of this month. Let's all, pl- let's all pray. Uh, but other than that, Benfica's, Benfica's um, transfer window, some of the most exciting times in my life right now after having the worst time of my life. It's, it's it's certainly a more dynamic side, and 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 you're you're you know if you can take back the title, um, I think it will be. I think you'll you'll finally calm down. Because <laughs> you, you were you were you. I mean, it was funny because we were we were all like, you know what? I think Benfica will still do it. Um, I think they'll get over the line, and they just did. <laughs> I just—I I was the only one that knew they weren't going to do it, but I still kept on believing. That was the thing. <laughs> so let's 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 hope for a turnaround here for him because um, the plan. I do rate Jesus as a manager. Um, see the plan for Jesus. They brought him in for two years, and they, I think he's paid, he's getting paid ten million euros a year. The plan is that he is going to win in Europe. <laughs> That is a lot of money. <laughs> like that is a, one of the biggest contracts. If that is if that is the case, man, that is one of the biggest managerial contracts and in Europe. The plan is that you need to win in Europe. Big shout. And I think Europa League is so doable for the team like this. It better be. It's like it needs to happen. See, they've almost they've almost done it. Two times already under Jesus too. They lost to Chelsea. Uh, was it twice? Oh, they lost to Chelsea in Sevilla. Uh, in Sevilla, twice. Or well, not twice, but like they lost in the finals twice. One that the one against um, Chelsea was the heartbreaker because it was a last minute goal. But 
we don't have to go to that point in my life again. But uh, <laughs> but the Europa League should be doable for this team. If not this year, definitely next year. But other than that, but you guys got anything else to add? Just that I'm excited to watch PSV. Yeah, PSV also had a very good transfer window. But uh, no, nah, I would say that that is that is probably it. That was a long video for that our was return. very long <laughs> for our return to the soccer podcast, or not even a podcast. This is a separate video. But uh, <laughs> but uh, well, everybody, thank you for the uh, the long wait for this. You know, if you if you somehow are still here at the end of this video. You're a real G. I really think so. So from me, from Nick and Seth, we want to say thank you. And hopefully we record another video soon. Thank you. See you later. That will be shorter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace.